This is Wade's World, where we talk to the most interesting people in the world on KABF 88.3, the voice of the people. You want to see how the other half lives? You want to see how we get around? Why don't you come visit me? This is Wade Rathke, and you're listening to Wade's World, a Voice of the People program. Welcome to the east side of town so that we can talk about how the other half lives and what life is like here living in Wade's World, whether that's the east side of Little Rock, Greenville, or New Orleans, or on Acorn Radio in Nairobi, Bengaluru, Bristol, or Bombay, points east and west, where we are either rebroadcast or live-streamed at kabf.org, wamf.org, or acornradio.org. A podcast will be available to show on those websites and at www.chieforganizer.org. You know the story on Wage World. We talk to the most interesting people in the world, and today we're talking to Robert Fisher, professor of community organizing at the University of Connecticut in Hartford School of Social Work, and we're doing this uh, as part of the 50th anniversary uh, commemoration of ACORN, where, as you all remember, once a month we're talking to a veteran or expert on ACORN just to evaluate the pluses, minuses, and where we're going. Bob? Welcome to Wage World. Privileged to be back here again, Wade. <laughs> well, there are a few uh, people who could rightly claim on the outside of the organization who never had to hit doors or, you know, cash an ACORN paycheck that they could rightfully say they might be an expert on ACORN. You may be one of that small handful. Well, I said, uh, that's, that's nice nice to hear. Uh, certainly good. To, <laughs> there's certainly other people who have done it as an are are good company. I think that, uh, the, I mean, I always was interested in Acorn right from uh, right from the beginning in the early uh, years. and Back to Houston. Back in Houston, right. And, uh, and basically participated in a couple of uh, activities. It was uh, Acorn, uh, Acorn there, not just writing about it, but uh, that book that we put together, which was essentially, uh, in the, uh, I forget now the next year, but close to, close to 2010, uh, right as Acorn sort of uh, ended up being trashed, uh, uh, but it was all about essentially how Acorn had made its incredible gains in the uh, in the eight or nine years, you know, after the uh, after the new millennium. Definitely helped by George uh, George W. Bush, uh, uh, but uh, it was you know sort of at the heyday, I think, of uh, Acorn, which started in 1970, as you well know. Uh, um, and had a lot of years of, uh, of persisting and uh, being really, uh, you know, scarcity of funding. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, in that last uh, decade, you know, there was more funding. There was uh, much more prominence in terms of the field of, uh, of community organizing. And probably because it was uh, being so successful, that's the reason the, uh, the right wing went after it uh, uh, so hard. The book that uh, Bob uh, is referring to that he edited and has uh, an essay or more in there was called The People Shall Rule, Acorn Community Organizing and the Struggle for Economic Justice, and came out in 2009. So, gee, time flies. We're talking about 11 years ago now, Bob. Um, but you've looked at the organization uh uh, your, your most uh, well-known book uh, sort of surveyed the whole principles of, of organizing before that. Um, and 
you've looked at ACORN in terms of perspective of general social change movements and and uh, where community organizing fits in that too, haven't you? Yeah, so I think that one of the things that I've been writing about uh, is the sort of uh, change that occurred in sort of what, you know, we would call kind of social movement kind of, uh, activity from, uh, they call the old social movements and the new social movements. It's, uh, uh, it's, but uh, uh, the, the dualism is too sharp on it. Really, there's a lot of overlap. But that's the. Uh, but essentially, the old social movement was essentially mostly labor organizing, um, in factories, in community organizing. You know, catching up to I think or sensing the sort of attack that was going on uh, to labor, uh, but also sort of turning to uh, having a kind of uh, a union in the social factory. Uh, sort of uh, uh, took off. So I think community organizing uh, began, you know, when yeah, it began <laughs> probably uh, in the uh, uh, first uh, uh, protest in, the, in America, going back probably to the Boston Tea Party or something. But the authentic or more official stuff, you know, has basically been sort of a post-World War II uh, phenomena. And part of that phenomena has been the sort of attack on labor unions and the demise of a lot of labor unions and people figuring out how to get involved in changing their society more at the sort of community level. One of the interesting things about ACORN and one of the interesting things about you, I think, is that you never you never bought into that, uh, that kind of dualism uh, of, you know, old and uh, new that essentially I think what ACORN's major strengths were that it was essentially combining the two, um, that it was both doing community organizing, um, it was also doing labor and union kind of uh, work, even in England now. You know, they refer to uh, the work that they're doing now as unions, you know, community unions in the, in the uh, communities. Uh, but the other thing that ACORN was able to do, I think, is, uh, is it also saw itself as a social movement, um, I think there's a lot of community organizing uh, that's gone on in the last uh, uh, decades, uh, which essentially tries to distance itself from being, you know, social movements. Ah, social movements, that's just activists, you know, and stuff. You know, we don't do that. We uh, we have these uh, very specific ways of, uh, of building uh, organizations and sort of a kind of much more narrow uh, Alinsky uh, uh, um, approach, uh, and the other thing that ACORN did was it didn't shy away from electoral politics. A lot of the other community groups said, no, we don't uh, do that. You know, that's for a variety of, uh, of reasons. It's probably what uh, got ACORN uh, more, most visibility and then most the, uh, the strong attack for uh, help get out the vote efforts uh, in the 2008 uh, with Obama. But I think there was this sort of kind of eclectic uh, approach that ACORN had, which was covering those different kinds of uh, sort of tensions and divisions uh, that have existed in organizing in the last 20, 30 years. It's an interesting point you make about social movements, because certainly in 1970, when ACORN began, the Alinsky-based uh, ideology was very anti-movement, um, certainly uh, I can remember when Saul would come to talk to us at welfare rights. I mean, it was, I mean, he was grudgingly accepting that we were making some progress, but, you know, we needed to stop that movement stuff and just, you know, hunker down and uh, 
I wonder to what degree over the last decade part of the attack on ACORN may have also been chilling to some organizing projects that might have been more willing to embrace some movement aspects. And the challenge now would be with, you know, the rise of Black Lives Matter and the anti-police brutality actions around the country. It would seem difficult for community organizations to distance themselves from social movements today if they're going to talk about real power for masses of people, Bob. Is that yeah. right or wrong? What are you thinking? No, those are right. Those are really good uh, good points. I mean, with Alinsky, it was kind of interesting. You know, he was basically saying, you know, we're not a social movement. You know, that's for activists and whatever. Uh, but uh, but he was dead in the water in the 1950s, you know, just like uh, everyone else. And it was the civil rights movement uh, that essentially gave him and his work, you know, a sort of huge, uh, a huge push. Uh, and I think there's always been this, Kind of thing, partly because I think there's uh, so much short on funding. I don't think it's just as arrogant with, uh, with you know, we've got the got the method, but you know, we had tried to trying to distinguish themselves between you know, sort of organizing and activism, um, and you know, the social movements, which is you know, anybody could sort of step in and doesn't, and it's not, uh, it's not doesn't fulfill all the things that Alinsky said had had to be fulfilled. So I think that you know, they were always heavily affected by. By the uh, by, the movements, but even even today, I think uh, the IAF and you know Linsky organizing still goes out of its way to say you know you know we don't organize activists you know we're not uh, we're not part of uh, uh, part of that. I think the whole what's going on now is a clear point you know about how sort of post Alinsky um, that, uh, that the really this, uh, this they there is this connection and has to be this connection between sort of community organizing and uh, um, and uh, and social movements especially the uh, uh, you know black liberation struggles which have been going on way before uh, uh, Alinsky and they realize that uh, and I think maybe this is one of acorns uh, wasn't strongest uh, point. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about it. But I think that they really do use this sort of uh, kind of collective memory, this sort of uh, mobilizing ideology they have um, about you know anti-racism, uh, about uh, uh, right uh, uh, how the uh, this country from the get-go you know is essentially they call it. Uh, Biden called it a sin, you know, it really was, a, it's an economic plan of exploitation, but, but right from the beginning there uh, was this, uh, uh, right, uh, 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 factor that they uh, uh, had, had to struggle against. So I think the, what's, what's there now is this sort of ideology of anti-racism, you know, and social movement kind of you know, orientation, but as well sort of going beyond what they think, you know, is uh, sort of post, uh, post Alinsky and some of them, you know, I mean, I never got trained as uh, in terms of Alinsky was just coming out of the movements from the, uh, from the 1970s. And it just made sense to sort of organize in our neighborhood uh, because that seemed to be the easiest way of also sort of working with working class people, which I am one <laughs> of, uh, and using, uh, using that. So I'm not sure I, Nailed, nailed that question uh, uh, perfectly, but I think there is this sort of, as you're pointing out, this really strong emphasis now on blending 
community organizing and uh, and social movements, and also using you know this kind of uh, mobilizing ideology, which Alinsky was you know deadly uh, opposed to and actually chased after you know people in the New Left in the uh, in the in in the 1970s. We're talking to uh, Robert Fisher, is a professor of community organizing at the University of Connecticut. Uh, uh, as we look at the 50 years of uh, ACORN organizing on the 50th anniversary of the organization having begun in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1970. I mean, Bob, it's uh, an interesting point you were making because in some ways ACORN as a membership organization didn't have a real choice but to be responsive to the membership when it moved. Um, and uh, in something like a situation today with uh, whether it's a moment or movement or whatever is not the important question, but uh, the fact that people are in motion and for an organization to be responsive to that as a membership organization, they have to move with the with the people. Um, you can't just say, okay, we're stuck within the four corners of a church, you know, building or of, uh, uh, you know, the neighborhood boundaries uh, and that Police brutality didn't happen here in the North End, so we're not part of it. Um, And I think uh, that's probably part of the difference. I mean, many organizations aren't membership organizations, so uh, they can try to be separate or aloof. I mean, is that right or wrong? I'm not sure, but I think we didn't have a choice. Yeah, I'm trying to get I think one of the things that ACORN's, major strength was it's essentially its uh, its flexibility so i think maybe you uh maybe you felt constrained in some ways you know from the membership ones but i think you also always said that that was the sort of essence you know of uh of what the organization absolutely was. no we could move quickly when when the hands went up and said let's go we could move i mean many many of our friends and uh colleagues elsewhere and uh, organizing ranks often had to wait for a year for you know a special meeting to convene to be able to approve any new priorities and only could approve two or three i mean we were able to be multi-issued and respond uh not in real time sometimes but very close to you know whenever it, it made sense i mean when the, you think- uh we're now in the 2020, though, looking at the future. I mean, part of what is also a difference now is the merger of social media techniques um, that have dominated a lot of social movement activity. Uh, so in Acorn's situation, having to merge social media communication tools with mass-built community organizations has been very interesting. Not everybody is doing that, though, um, and that's potentially an issue, uh, a problem for us really building power now going forward, in my view. So what what are the challenges in that? Well, I mean, social move, I mean, social media is not organizing. It's communication tool. So to the degree that people can use social media in order to put together or mobilize a rally or whatever, fantastic. But that doesn't substitute for also you know, welding that to real organizations so that you have some sustainable way to continue to pursue campaigns to 
hopefully to victory, but uh, pursue them as long as it takes. And you and I have talked about some of these campaigns in the past, and sometimes it takes five, ten more years to, you know, get it done. That's my point. No, I think the issue of, remember, I think you wrote about it as well, uh, about Arab Spring. Everybody said, well, look at this. You know, everybody's just doing this through their through their iPhones, you know, whatever they can get to have call everybody out. And uh, and uh, that's the uh, that's the essence here now, the uh, the technology. But in reality, the essence was, you know, 20, 30 years uh, or more or whatever of organizing, you know, in uh, uh, in Egypt and other places. Um, that, that that enabled people to have those kinds of uh, experience and connections, uh, and then the technology, uh, you know, made it uh, made it even more possible. A sort of an adapt an adaptation to it. So sort of they go go hand in hand, but it is really about uh, about the uh, organizing, not simply the uh, the technology. On the other hand, I am on the other <laughs> the other side of uh, of whatever that uh, the change. Uh, that change is, although I think that change occurs about every every eighteen months. So I'm not sure everybody <laughs> everybody feels uh, technologically lost. Adapt or die. I mean, we're doing a voter project now, and I'm uh, a bunch of volunteers have come forward who are telling me they're experts in machine learning or SMS bots or web scraping or linguistic engineering and. I have to call them back, uh, Bob, and say, okay, here's why I'm really interested in talking to you. First, explain to me what you do, and then I'll tell you whether or not I can figure out how we can integrate it into what we're trying to do. Um, so it's educational, but uh, I know in our – you've looked at some of our work in uh, Europe uh, and elsewhere in the world, and uh, our organization in the United Kingdom has been very effective at merging uh, social media with direct door-to-door tenant, you know, organizing largely to build in the last half dozen years a 4,000-member-plus organization with must be 25 different branches around England now alone. So uh, it is it is a powerful way if you can weld them together. It's really amazing what you've done in uh, in England and, uh, and expanding elsewhere as well, right, France? Uh, yeah, France is doing very well. So I studied a little bit on the uh, in the English project, and I think that was sort of one of the uh, areas where Acorn was being distinguished in my mind from the sort of more Alinsky project, because the Alinsky project, though know, Saul had once said, you know, he called, I don't know what, the the Great Society programs, you know, political pornography or something, and essentially yeah. said, no, no, we don't take money from government because government basically, you know, uh, will de- demand too much and we will basically be be dominated by whatever, uh, red tape, uh, et cetera. And I think uh, Citizens UK over there was interested in this uh, community organizers program there, which was a publicly funded program, curiously enough, by a conservative administration um, where they hired 500 people uh, to to do organizing, but the state was essentially paying uh, for them. And actually, one of the things that came out of it was the formation, you know, of that Acorn uh, local in uh, in Bristol, England. You know, basically, I think uh, think they heard you or met you, uh, right? And uh, they basically started thinking, well, that's really organizing rather than whatever we're being uh, we're being taught here. But it was that sort of finding that extra funding. Um, to be able to go and 
higher organizers. And even though it might have been conservatives, you know, that were funding it uh, initially for a variety of, uh, of reasons, it just goes to show you that if you get the right training and you get put people on the ground, that they really think can really take off. So the, you know, the ACORN model really, uh, it's amazing what's, uh, what's been going on in, the, in, in England in a relatively short period of time. I mean, originally, the uh, Prime Minister Cameron's uh, program was to sort of put some sugar in some bad uh, bad coffee where the austerity program, he was looking for community organizing to sort of sweeten that uh, fact that he was dismantling social services. But really what the story in England was so much like the story in Arkansas 70 years ago where we found Vista volunteers who were being paid to do whatever and were able to reappropriate their time to help them build organization. And in this case, uh, we were able to find three or four people who, out of that 500, who were being paid as part of the community organizing program who could be reallocated to start actually building a membership dues base so that at the time that program ended, there was enough money to support them. So, yeah, you have to go where the resources uh, can lead you. We're talking to Robert Fisher, a um, long friend and comrade who's a professor of community organizing at the University of Connecticut School of Social Work in Hartford, Connecticut, about 50 years of ACORN. One of the things that I've always referenced to in uh, your your first sort of path-breaking book was the argument uh, you presented between service-based organizing and uh, other organizing and whether or not those things could successfully be combined or how one might be sort of virally uh, corrosive to the other. Uh, where do you see those kinds of uh, problems these days, Bob? Well, I think, you know, social work, a lot of it is, uh, and when they think about community organizing, do think about, you know, delivering services to people in need. And certainly people need, uh, you know, need resources, you know, so if you could actually get in, you know, uh, uh, you know, affordable housing or if you could get food uh, uh, to people and use that partly as uh, organizing, then I think that uh, that definitely um, is a good thing. It does bring, it is, uh, it is a kind of, uh, you know, community, uh, community organizing uh, uh, for sure. Uh, but I think, again, a lot of this, you know, was the stuff in the organizing was, you know, uh, everybody thinking too narrowly. You know, oh, no, we only, they do service. That must be, uh, um, in Alinsky's perspective, oh, they just do service, you know, they're just whatever, and that's not really uh, really organizing. We do the real, uh, uh, real organizing. The real organizing was, you know, doing politics, you know, focusing on issues of, uh, of power and uh and more social action. And uh, I think a lot of this is, uh, I mean, you have to be sort of clear what your what your primary uh, is. But I think that, I mean, ACORN has been incredible in terms of both, you know, doing organizing, what's doing, you know, for basically uh, sort of changing the systems um, and build, building power, powerful organizations. Um, but at the same time, uh, thinking about how services uh, uh, could uh, you know could do that? Maybe Acorn didn't do it as well in certain uh, places, but I I think it's a it's a sort of false dichotomy. You know, it's basically about well, you know, what do you exactly. do? 
you do community building or do you do sort of social action? Well, of course, community building is part of it. Uh, you have to bring people uh, together and build a sense of community so they can work together. But that's not your primary. You're not, your primary isn't necessarily to deliver services per se, although that can be certainly part, part of it. You're basically in this sort of uh, struggle for democracy. <laughs> Um, which is the uh, a larger uh, thing, which is part of uh, part of all these other uh, other elements. Exactly. So, what are you working on these days, Bob? Are you looking at uh, modern community? Are you working on? Well, what are you working on these days? <laughs> I'm swallowing my own question. Well, that's What's up, Bob? I'm glad you're calling because I was going to talk with you about what do you have in mind. Uh, uh, but I am still uh, uh, writing up uh, some of the uh, work that, uh, you know, from the research that I did in uh, in England. Um, and uh, uh, basically, I uh, the last book I have is in uh, in 2010. So I refer to that as uh, Beyond the Acorn Book, uh, which is the uh, critique of neoliberalism, how neoliberalism affected uh, Community organizing in Canada, the UK, and uh, and the uh, and the US. Um, so I don't know whether it's my last book, you know, in terms of my final one, or the last one that uh, most recent uh, one that I've uh, I've done. I think mostly what I've been doing is uh, essentially focusing on you know what's going on in in Europe. So uh, and trying to make sense of you know what uh, the kind of work that's being done, like in uh, in Grenoble and in France, you know, and in Acorn, so I'd like to, after we have this conversation, sort of, you know, touch base with you again on uh, on where a lot of that's uh, that's at, because I think there is this whole thing about uh, um, Alinsky going abroad um, and the sort of critique uh, of Alinsky uh, um, organizing, which is part of a similar kind of Black Lives Matter uh, sort of uh, critique of Alinsky, and maybe if they saw more of the kind of acorn model rather than simply the sort of more uh, a traditional uh, Alinsky one that might have even more success. But I'd be interested in like, finding out more about what's going on uh, in yeah, this sort of like Alinsky going abroad, community organizing uh, going uh, going abroad in uh, in Europe as well as other places. You know, the, the, well, the, it's a fair quid pro quo. If I got you to do this show, certainly we'll have a conversation. I mean... The uh, the pandemic obviously has uh, changed all organizing timelines. If you'd uh, t- if we were talking a year ago, I would have told you we were opening in Belgium. We were ready to go in the Netherlands. Uh, we had several initiatives that were moving forward in Germany. We just affiliated Ireland. Of those, only Ireland uh, we were able to get in before the. Uh, sort of shut down, and I, I keep thinking we'll be able to rekindle some of these meetings, but it looks like it won't be this year. This, uh, in 2021, hopefully we'll all be back on the road and able to get out there and uh, talk to people face-to-face and make some of this happen. But it's uh, the pandemic has taught a lot of us some different things. Now, one of the things that's interesting, particularly for an organization like ACORN that's been so uh, committed to door-to-door home visits. Um, we've uh, found that we can do a, a pretty effective job at least keeping things moving forward with phone work and Zoom and, uh, you know, Uber conference calls and other things that 
some of our affiliates are having meetings uh, uh, sort of digitally, if you will, that involve hundreds of people. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's adapt or die, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is. To, you know, I used to have to hear a Latin expression when I was in high school about, uh, you know, uh, study is the mother of learning or whatever. I, I'll spare you the Latin, but uh, we're going to see some different things after this is all over. Don't you think, Bob? Yeah, I do. And I think actually what's going on now, especially with the social movements, and I mean, I think this is a an incredible moment, you know, for us. We may be turning to fascism and uh, uh, and and all the horrors that would come with that, or there's this possibility of moving, you know, with these so- social movements to uh, – uh, to much more progressive kind of politics. The thing that's inc- encouraging for me, we have eight, 18 students now in the uh, introductory uh, master's degree program in uh, in community organizing, and it is a very mixed group, um, and they are very politicized. It's uh, it's uh, quite quite impressive. Well, it would be wonderful if uh, we were talking before we went on the air if we saw more professors of community organizing or. But really just more schools, whether it's social work or whatever, teaching community organizing. Bob, before we go, we've mentioned a couple of your books. Would you uh, tell people where they can get some if they want to get a deeper dive into not only ACORN, but community organizing and some of the issues and principles involved? Well, sure. So, the uh, you know, let the people decide. Uh, it was the neighborhood organizing um, in America, which is uh, had a 1994 one. I think that's probably... You know, online, it's just a history, kind of selected history, which includes uh, ACORN, but goes all the way back to the, uh, to the, uh, to the 19th century. And it includes both uh, kind of uh, left-wing and right-wing uses of, uh, of community organizing, which I think was one of the part of the appeals of the book that, you know, organizing um, isn't, as we know from where the Tea Parties and stuff, isn't limited to uh, uh, to uh, to just sort of put more progressive kind of work like uh, like Acorn. Uh, the most Thank you, Bob. And also the book, The People Shall Rule, uh, get on Amazon or your local bookstore. Ask for books by Robert Fisher about community organizing, and you'll see a shelf full. This has been Wage World for another week, the world where the other half lives, where we talk about things you've never heard. And as Lucinda Williams sang, things you've never seen and will never forget. Wage World is underwritten by the Darrow Foundation, a progressive force enabling change based in Little Rock, Arkansas. And as the song goes, we say it loud, we say it on the air, we say it on the radio. Until next week when we'll have another guest, this is Wade Rafty for Wage World. Thank you.